When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. This time we shall be doing the adventure The Top Top of the Hill, which is in Durstick, which is a town right near Hawklaw, where you start out. And here's the adventure description. Rumours of a recent sighting in the skies above Durnstick have led you to the base of O. Ogrehead Hill, a steep boulder-strewn slope, boulder-strewn slope in the forest east of the village. Start this adventure. When rumours of a dragon sighting over Durstig reach your ears in, in the common room of the wary bard, a dilapidated inn on the northern edge of the Hart Hills. You promptly set out for the small hamlet, eager to discern for yourself the veracity of the intriguing claims. Less than a day after leaving the inn, you arrive in Dunstig. After making several inquiries, hoping to find someone able to collaborate the story of the sighting, you encounter a group of four children eager to tell you that they spotted a dragon circling high upon the village only three days ago. One of the children, an older boy who says almost completely concealed behind a wild mop of dark hair, says that the dragon threw over Old Dead Hill and disappeared. You ask him about the hill and then it rises out of the forest to steeze to the village. You find the children prepare, prepare to set off on your own, and you suddenly realise that the boy who told you about the hill is staring at you unexpectedly. Now, hmm. So I can just bid them farewell. Gold token to the older boy, or a gold token to each child. Alright, gold token to each child. It's easy to get more. You present a gold token to each of the four children, again thanking them for telling you about the dragon and the hill. The two girls and two boys, boys their faces beaming, stare wide eyes at the coins of several before suddenly dipping into polite bows and thanking you repeatedly. Without further delay, you bid them farewell and set off in, into the forest east of the village. Now, the thing is, I don't know from my out-of-contact adventurer life exactly the value of a gold coin to a normal peasanty sort of person. I mean, apparently, you can get a, get a meal for a single gold coin. But that might just be might just be worth a lot less than that. It's just that's the smallest currency I have on me and I don't bother with change. <laughs> or let's see, I think I think I got a little carriage for twenty-five, so no, probably gold's probably a day's labour perhaps. There's no no real way of t- turning. I'd imagine there are probably smaller coins in circulation, you know, buying things, smaller things. 
like dust a bit of flour, just a, 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 a small a small ale, some fabric, no, small small things, you know, peasants buy. Don't don't really know. It's not particularly important to me because I'm an adventurer and I don't deal with you know trying to get enough money to survive. I just I get that by killing monsters. And apparently people I can just sell gear on unlimited amounts. It it just happens. So there's there's a, there's a scheme. It just happens. Well, it really. Yeah. <laughs> economy isn't so. <laughs> economy, the economy isn't the main focus of this adventure, so it's not particularly explained. Quite frankly, you just you just end up with holes no matter what you do. So we carry on. And if after only a short walk through the forest seas of Durstig, you reach the base of a steep boulder strewn hill. Now a path finds its way through the rocks and trees that cover the towering stone. Making your way towards the foot of the path, you just begin to wonder how all Heather retains the colour of all bone. Monica, when two men step out of the brush in front of you, the rugged pair, each clad in a leg of a jerkin and holding a wooden cloak, will tell you that you cannot go any further. When you question about it, the men raise their cloaks and, and step threatening towards you. You don't need to know about any of that, friend, says the tallest. Go on, go back as you came. The hill's off limits to you. It will be much safer for you back in the village. Very dangerous out in these woods. Heed their warnings and leave? No, no, I'm not going to do that. I could refuse to leave, yet, yeah, or I could just attack them straight away. Just cut out. Cut, cut out it. Just, just. Cut out all the messing about. But no, no, I'm going to give him a chance to refuse. Your ball refusal angers the two men. They immediately separate and rush at you from two directions. Their cudgels wage as they prepare to attack. Oh, well, your funeral. But actually, probably not. Hold your ground to face their attack. You brazenly draw yourself into covert wastelands as the two brigands rush forward and attack. Now this this is a this is a three plus. It's a, this is these 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 are flies. They're nothing to me. They swipe with my cudgels. I slash with my sword, but I'm just subduing them. They're not dead. I got five XP for that. Standing over your battered foes, you waste no time demanding that they reveal to you the reason for trying to keep you from climbing the hill. The taller of the, the two men, lying on his back with his hands clasped over his broken arms, moans as he slips into a conscious. The other man, his voice trembling, begins to answer your questions. The man, the man tells you that he and his co are part of a seven-member outfit that arrived in the hour only yesterday. In pursuit of a wounded dragon, you inquire further and learn a dragon is wounded by the leader of the group, a spellcaster bent on collecting something from the dragon. Can you question the man? He tells you that the dragon, whose wing was badly damaged by a magical blast of fire, landed atop the hill. Five others, he says, went up the hill only a couple of hours ago, leaving himself and the other man to guard the foot of the path. That warning, mine's flicker, flicker and closes, he loses consciousness. A quick search of the two men turns up their wooden cudgels and steel of gold. Got 27 gold. Oh, I'm ahead now. <coughs> two cudgels, not going to pick them up because they're rubbish. After making certain you haven't overlooked anything, you make your way to the foot of the path, being a, being a swift but cautious ascent of the hill. The path you're hurrying winds up and around the steep treacherous sides over the hill. Now and again, as you carefully ascend, a selection of loose surf gives way beneath your feet, keeping you ever mindful that tumble down the boulder-strewn slope could prove deadly. After ten minutes, the path will probably end at the base of a towering wall of rock that blocks any further progress up the hill, dangling down from above. 
Drupal anchors something as a site is a thick length of rope. The frayed end end of the rope is within arm's reach. Gazing up at the intimidating cliff, you summarize it must be at least thirty feet high. Certain that there is no other way to reach the summit, you carefully contemplate it will not be a difficult and dangerous climb, even with the use of the rope. I'm going to attempt the climb. Gripping the rope tightly, you attempt to climb the steep rock face to the summit of Volcano Hill. Another random check, number 100. 60 bonus, 20 from agility, 20 from body, and 20 from woodmanship. This is need needs a wall 55 or above, so this is a guaranteed success. And it would be for most well-developed characters. A less experienced adventurer or one with poor stats might fail, but probably won't even then. Uh, yep, and here we are, 93. Success, obviously. You managed to climb nearly one third of the way up the, up the wall of the wall of rock. With your hands are up, hands and arms aching, aching, your feet hunting for suitable holes on the waggy cliff face. You boldly continue upwards. Yep, check again, but you need to wall a 60. You managed to climb as two thirds of the way up the wall of rock. Last check. Nine to get 65. Bathed in sweat and with your hands asking as they could any moment give out, you continue to pull yourself upwards. You get, yep, 65, so there's a tiny chance of failure. If I had maxed out woodmanship, there would be no chance of failure. But that takes a very long time because the amount of experience needed to raise woodmanship rises exponentially. Naturally, it takes a hundred thousand experience to get the last level. And you only get really tiny benefits like this. So you don't you don't don't, don't do it. Usually Unless you've just got so much experience, you might end up leveling up everything. Right, picking it up, okay. Well, I smashed that one hundred and fifty-four. At last, after the lengthy and ghouly climb, you reach the top of the wall and haul yourself over the cliff's jagged lip and onto the summit of the hill. The top of Ogeto is much wider than it seems to be base, moving furtively through the band of trees that crowns the forest slope. Soon to come a strange and unsettling scene. Four men clad in a mix of, mix of studded leather and chariot mail stand around the bloody carcass of the small dust dragon. You estimate the dragon, its grey scale body, perhaps twice the size of a horse, is less than half grown. The men, three of them brandishing iron hatted spears, and the fourth a heavily axed stare intently at the remains of the majestic creature. Turning a few yards, so away near the dragon's head is the tall Yankee man in in a grimy tattered tunic. Tall man thrusts his white hand towards the dragon. Seconds later, a blue coal blue coal envelops the carcass. The glow quickly quickly fades, and the man, perplexed, looks taking taking from his gaunt face, takes several steps back. You quickly discern the man in the tunic must be the mage mentioned to you by the big end. You question the forest below. Without warning, the dragon snorts and its entire horse corso convulses violently. The four men quickly step back and level their weapons at the creature. Dragon again snorts and the man in the tunic frowns and he draws both hands to his temples and closes his eyes. The dragon is alive. Severely wounded, the dragon appears to be just barely clinging to life. The fearsome creature is torso with, with bloody black gashes, and its white ring, badly singed, is now snorting rapidly. You take it aback when the dragon suddenly grunts and struggles in vain to regain its feet. The mage, his bow streaked with, with sweat, and his eyes shut, shut tight, but as something as he boldly inches closer to the stricken beast. Its mind is almost broken, he announces to his companions. His thin force fairly audible above the dragon's breaths. We've nothing to fear from it. Steady him now. Just a bit more and I'll have what I want.
immediately discern the man you assume to be a maid attempting, for reasons unknown, to forcefully read the mind of the wounded dragon. Suddenly. Quite suddenly and inexplicably, man further to the left turns and spots you. He quickly raises his alarm and the others, including the man in the tattered tunic, spin in your direction. Man in the tunic quickly orders the others to dispatch you. And leave his body atop the hill, he says, his thin voice almost completely devoid of emotion. Once we take down the rope, no one but the crows will bother this place. Immediately realising that flight is not an option, he used the surrounding terrain to your advantage, quickly positioning yourself to face the tall men one at a time. Within moments, the first of the four is upon you, fighting a spear-wielding brigand. Gotta kill it. Stab you with a spear, I slash with the sword, and it's dead. The body of the first man slumps to the ground at your feet, and the second of the brigands rushes in to attack. I got five experience. No miss. Slashy, slashy, it's dead. Six experience. The third man, seemingly unnerved by the speed with which he dispatched the two carts, turns and flees. Marks. Dashing across the top of the hill towards the rope that will bear him down to the forest below. The last of the four, a bearded brute whose thick ha- hands, thick hands, hands are wiped tightly around the haft of the heavy double blade he lacks, and he's also an idiot, curses his companion's cowardice as he defiantly draws into melee range. Axe wielding brigand. I use sword, he uses axe. Little special. Ah, Nanny, he's gone again. 6xb. Man with the, the man with the axe staggers to his wife and slinks to his knees. Before stop chomping, slumping to his side, allowing his axe to slide to the ground, at last, at last, ragged, ragged breath changes blood-spattered lips as death claims him. Scattered about your feet are the weapons of three stained stained assailants. Two sturdy spears, taking those, and a well-crafted war axe. I'll take that too. Wasting no time, you immediately turn your attention to Dragon. The great beast, massive size, rising and falling, erratically struggles, draw breath, makes several weak, futile attempts to rise to his feet. There's no sign of the man in the tattered tunic. Oh, there's a check. Something's happening. A number between 1 and 100. Or, or plus 20 from aura. 20 from woodmanship. 10 from luck. I think something's sneaking up on me. Out of the corner of the eye, of your eye, I dust past that. 50, 52. Out of the corner of your eye, and near, near the last possible moment, you spot something moving to your right. Instinctively drawing yourself into its defensive defense, you spin to face what you perceive to be an immediate threat. Find the man in the tunic closing on you, his long arms outstretched, and his bony hands weaved in blue flame. It's also the midi way to he suddenly unleashes a crackling bolt of sure fire that misses you by mere inches. Before you can even contemplate your next move, the man draws out a long iron wad and lunges at you, so I hit your head with a heavy weapon. I'm fighting against the wall, wielding mange. That's what you get for hurting dragons! And now you're slain! Got 10 XP for that. The male's frail body slumps to the ground at your feet. Stepping back from the corpse, you stare down at the dead sorcerer. As you wipe a spattering of blood off the right side of your face. A quick search of his remains turns up his iron wad and his only two pieces of salvageable attire. Okay. Take the well-crafted iron wad. Hide belt, hide boots, both sturdy. And 87 gold. Pretty nice.
After making certain you haven't overlooked anything, you promptly turn your attention to drag it, only to have your heart nearly skip a beat when a low, laboured murmur comes from the direction of the slain spellcaster. Boom, it quickly turns to stop as your gaze falls upon the body of the maid, a man you believe to be dead. His cruel eyes now open, move up to meet your horrified stare as a faint smile appears on her lips. I think they'll have another chance at you, he whispers. I can give them that. First instinct is to step forward and deal the sinister mate what we hope will be a decisive blow. But an ocean is chasing your mind when a loud hissed, followed by a ragged moan, erupts behind you. You spin around and find yourself facing a gruesome sight. Sanguine towards you with an unnerving pace, the blood-chilling chorus of moans swirling into the air are the risen corpses of the three men you just killed. The alarmed dead trio is swiftly closing in. A quick glance at the body of males. With the maid views, he is once again dead or unconscious. With no time to dwell on the present condition and no hope of escape, quickly draw yourself into combat where he stands and prepare to meet the impending attack. I could just fight fire with fire and use necromancy, or I could just fight them. I'm going to use necromancy. Oh, that, that, that failed. Well, gotta kill him. Or weak of them, or whatever it's called. Having failed at your attempt to sow, to sow or halt the advancing courses, you have no choice but to prepare to engage the undead trio. The first corpse staggers forward attack, a sickening, gurgling sound escaping from its throat as it reaches out for you. It's swiping at me. I'm slashing it with the sword, and it's dead again. Ten experience, the corpse staggers to the white and collapses. A ghastly moan escapes from the man's mouth so his eyes roll back into his head. You swiftly assume a defensive posture as you prepare to engage the necks of your undead foes. The second staggering corpse staggers forward and attacks, sickening, gurgling sound, escaping its throat and reaches out for you. Slashy, slashy, and it's dead. Ten damage. The corpse staggers to your white and collapses. A ghastly moan escaped from the dead mind's mouth with his eyes slowly roll back into his head. You quickly draw yourself into combat where he stands prepare to meet the advance of the last of your undead assailants. I hope it's the last. The third and last of the corpses staggers forward and attacks. Sicking gurgling sounds escaping from your throat is reaches out for you. Begin combat. Slashy. Slashy. Dead again. 10 XP. The corpse staggers to the white and collapses. A ghastly moan escapes from the dead man's mouth as his eyes slowly roll back into his head. Stepping away from the gruesome remains of the last risen corpse, you turn, only to find your eyes greeted by a strange and unsettling sight. Only a heap of chroming upon which rests a grimy tattered tunic marks the spot where the sorcerer's body lay only moments ago. Immediately scour the hilltop, there is no sign to be had of the sinister mage. As your eyes return to the part of the tower, a low and just above a whisper slips into your thoughts. First, first indistinctly, words begin to take the form, begin to take form out the strange hiss, to a deep, rumbling verse, voice surges through your mind. You quickly clash the grains and scout and start to find the creature's large black eye cracked open and fixed on you. The dragon is attempting to speak with you telepathically. Not daring to interrupt a low thundering voice echoing through your head, you listen as the dragon thanks you and then reveals the circumstances that led him to the ill-freighted confrontation on the hill's summit. You learn that the maid you defeated is a powerful necromancer and a vicious outlaw known only as Lofmon, whose trail of atrocities crosses across nearly the entire breadth of the Norse borderlands. He has twice before escaped my attempts to kill him, mumbles the dragon's voice. 
That was a long time ago. In a year since, he became powerful, and I made no further attempts against him. He is clever and without conscience. A most dangerous combination of traits. He hunted me for the last several years, but not out of vengeance. Revenge was my game. He wishes to know a secret I have long guarded. A secret I hope to protect by killing him. A secret I will now happily forfeit my life to protect. As you, as you continue to listen to the dragon, you're surprised to learn he is much older than his small size would seem to indicate. I am, no doubt, smaller than you would expect. But I am no youngling. Echoes his voice, his resonance nearly drowning out all other thoughts. Magic has cursed me, and it does as it does all who recklessly wield it. I do not regret knowing this hour, but it is impossible to die. It does not diminish me, body, mind, and spirit. So wary have I become. Intrigued by what the dragon has thus far revealed, you speak aloud, asking him about the necromancer. The sorcerer you defeated, the maiden's body is now vanished. His name need not be uttered unnecessarily, echoes the dragon's voice in your mind. He seeks to learn from me a secret of my kin that I have long guarded. Were he to learn it, it would deliver to him something powerful and terrible. Something not of this world. Something he must never acquire. The dragon's voice was silent for a, for a few minutes then, as if having given Gaff careful consideration for what he has to say. He continues, I do not know you, yet I find that I possess a profound faith in you. He rumbles as his voice, his voice as his harsh tone in, again enters your mind. I believe that I can trust you with what must, at long last, be done. I am soon to depart this world. It is a little consequence to me what happens after I am gone. I have no governance over such things, but you can prevent a great wickedness from taking root if you do as I ask you. Will you? Well, oh. I will. I all, I always, uh, I always trust any dragon who hasn't tried to kill me. <laughs> so I agree to do as he asks. You tell the dragon you you agree to do as he asks, and a sh and a harsh rumble immediately passes through your mind. The rumble, at first little more than a savage guttural sound, slowly reforms itself into the dragon's deep voice. Listen intently as the dragon tells you of a stone box hidden in ancient ruins, deep within nearby, nearby bending wood. You must retrieve the box and deliver it to Merlindor in Talonus. You will find Merlindor at the Westgard Library, but heed what I am about to tell you. You must not allow the box to fall into Lothwan's hand, and you must never open it. Speaking aloud, you ask the dragon, dragon why he must not open the box. After a lengthy pause, during which his breathing becomes notably less regular, his deep voice again rumbles through your mind. What is within is not for the eyes of the living. Echoes his voice. It is most certainly not for those who wish to remain among the living. It is for the very, very reason that Lothron misses to gain possession of it. No. That when the box is in your hand, the temptation to open it, to peer into it, will be great. Perhaps even greater than you believe your will can withstand. But you must not choose that path. Place it safely away and think no more of it. Bring it to Milenor in Talinus. Milenor will know what to do with it. A strange feeling suddenly washes over you. The unsettling sensation quickly fades. Hearing your breathless is awake, the dragon's voice once again tears for your thoughts. The ruins that still guard the box are a place once known as Queenstone. Rumbles the voice in your head. Its purpose, its history of a time long since forgotten. Toast show too, should the relics of that place be forgotten. For they are not tools so be by those. Those souls are easily corrupted. 
I've just given you the key to unlock Greystone's gate. The key is hidden in your thoughts. It will reveal itself to you when you are before the gates. Struggling to comprehend all that Dan has told you, you suddenly realise he has not yet told you the precise location of the ruins. Before you can ask the question, your dragon voice again warns in your mind as he describes the location of the ruins in Plentlin Wood where the box is to be found. With a clear, clear image of the ruins in your thoughts, the dragon's voice falls silent. To reach the ruins, suffer to Hawklaw and find Bentley Woods under a location near Hawklaw. Then choose Explore Bentley Woods, then, then select Return to a previous discovery location, then select the ruins of Greenstone. After nearly a minute of silence, the dragon's deep, rumbling voice again echoes in your mind. This time, however, he is using a language utterly behind you, which is the harsh tongue of his tin, of his kin, the ancient speak of dragon kind. It's Fundry's voice, it's powerful resonance shaking your every thought, slowly fades to whisper, before abruptly disappearing altogether. In that moment, you become acutely aware that the dragon is breathing his last. I'm try using restoration. Nope, nope, can't. A weak, rabid draught of air, followed by a long, shallow hiss, rapidly slips into a sigh, immediately proceeds its passing. It is, by a reckoning, an unremarkable, unsatisfying end for a creature so proud, dangerous, and mighty. Standing next to the dead dragon, you close your eyes and whisper a quick prayer, hoping that this party creature is at last found refuge from those who mercilessly pursued it, and a weak pride from the pain and violence that marks its last living hours. You step back from the carcass and cast your gaze about the top of the hill, and so it now seems strangely empty. As your eyes wander in and out of the trees that wing the patch of ground upon which you stand, you find yourself strokingly against against a vague sense of unease. Still wary, following the sudden disappearance of the slain maze, and a significant warning or of dying dragon, you have no desire to linger here. The occasion of the wounds emblazoned in a mild, you vow to keep your word and attempt to retrieve the box described to you by Dragon and deliver it safely to Millenor in Talonus. Return to the what you return to the rope at the top of the rock wall and stare down the base of the cliff thirty feet below. After making certain that the rope is properly anchored, you grip it you grip it with both hands and lean back into the rather precarious position position with your feet against a walk base as you begin a careful descent. Okay, same. So it's a check again, 1 on 100. 20 is your 20 body, 20 wood and chip. Bonuses, you need to get more than 60, 65 or more. I pass with 102. A short but hazardous climb carries you safely down the walk face to the base of the cliff. After nearly a minute, having sufficiently recovered from the descent, you prepare to make your way back down the hill. Turning away from the towering wall of rock, you are about to begin a careful descent through the steep track when the sound of something moving through the nearby undergrowth freezes you mid- in mid-step. You simply draw yourself into the of eyes as your eyes scour the surrounding bush rain, so what you fear may be an impending ambush. You exhale sharply and lower your guard as the ambushes suddenly spill out the undergrowth in the steep path. Four children you met in Justin, two, bo- two girls and two boys, standing in the middle of the track, their arms folded defiantly. Wild grins adorn their faces, insisting you've taken no small measure of pride in having, sneaked, in having sneaked up upon you. Before you can ask them what they're doing here, long as you're violently aggressive, you most concerning the dragon they believe you came here seeking. The older of the two girls, who eyes fixed on the rope hanging down the wall, what, down the wall of what behind you, asks if you ask if you've been to the top of the hill, and whether or not you found the dragon. Uh, I could tell them I found the dragon, or I could tell them I did not find the dragon. Well, uh, honesty and all that. So I found the dragon. Children, listen. Writing details, you describe for them, leaving out the gruesome details. Counter with the dying dragon on top of the hill, showing that the creature is now peacefully at rest and no longer suffering. Realising that your account may have irrevocably stirred their curiosity, quickly safe that no one should attempt 
climb the scummit and disturb the dragons and mate. Despite your stage position, this, this small gang continues to gaze thoughtfully up, up towards the summit. When you are just the children, and like you, who you first men, who first mentioned or coach you, steps forward and peers up the end, end of Dangworld, you immediately discern the dangerous notion that he, and perhaps the others, may be entertaining. Because of course they are. That's what children do. They do. They do. This is fun, and they don't care how dangerous it is. And really, I'm not one to talk. Seeing I just, that's what I do. I just, I go to way more dangerous things than they do. <laughs> and usually for much flimsier reasons. So, yep. With only a small amount of effort, despitefully small to your mind, you manage to yank the work free, first dashing the dangerous aspirations of the brazen band gathered at the base of the cliff. Ignoring the groans of dis- disapproval, you caught the rope and place it amongst your other belongings. Description of this. Length of rope. You used your use this sturdy length of rope to cl- to scale a high wall of rock to reach the sum- summit of Og- Ogre Head Hill in the, fo- in the forest east of Durnstig. Before setting off for Durnstig, after making certain the children understand Certain children understand they will accomplish. You gently admonish them about dangers of roaming about those in the wild, even so close to the village. Having virtually and likely only temporarily accepted authority, the children quickly children head quickly down the hill and move back towards the village, leaving you struggling to keep pace. The incessant chatter wing, wings through the forest as they trek steadily along. Stopping now and again to closely examine some innocuous woodland feature would never bother to notice. When you reach the outskirts of Dunstick, you bid your small companions farewell. Set off on your way, hopeful they have taken your friendly warning. Tart, but not like even enough to be even remotely confident of it. Alright, 2 to 50 XP. Now I've got to continue the adventure. Elsewhere, going, going to, going to Bentling Wood. Explore Bentling Wood. Previously discovered location: ruins of Greenstone. Following directions given to you by a dragon, you plunge into Bentling Wood and make your way into the northeast region of the spawning forest. There, tucked into a shallow, tangled vale, its, crumb- its crumbling remnants t- covered in moss and half buried in the earth, is a skeleton of a once imposing structure. These are the ruins of Greenstone, an ancient Devardi keep long ago reclaimed by the forest. Somewhere in these ruins lies a sewn box you've come here to recover. You're standing amidst the ruins of Greenstone, ancient. Ravari Keep, deep within the tangled heart of Burning Wood. Near the centre of the ruins, at the bottom of a steep track, set a tall iron gate, sealing off a wide corridor that leads to the lower level of the was- this once grand fortress. Despite their ways, the massive gates bear no sign of corrosion. Summon the gates. As you step up to the gates, a harsh wind just suddenly rushes through your head. Immediately westwards, a whisper is then scored the sound you heard while in the presence of the dying dragon atop Ogrehead Hill. With, with a loud groan and series of shudders, the ornate iron gates swing outwards, opening just wide enough to allow you to slip through. Step through the gates. You step through the open gates, you've only gone a dozen yards along the passage beyond, where a loud groan rises from behind you. Instinctively, you spin around and discover. Dismay that the iron gates have closed. Typical. Glancing to your left and right, you take notice of a large face of stone, stone figure standing inside tall alcoves on either side of the corridor. The arms of the, ce- the arms of the two figures are raised as if they're holding up the fe- ceiling. Now, I'm probably going to have to fight those. Suddenly. A deafening shudder, quickly followed by a sharp crackling sound, fills the passage as a two towering fig- figure of stone begins to move. Routing several yards to the east, hoping to at least put you out of the hard way, you watch 
as the pack masses, st masses stacks you step out of the alcoves and move to stand in front of the iron gates. You struggle to quell a wide range of panics when you realise the stone bethemoths, their, their arms crossed and their faces head still towards the fort, door, are now blocking your way out. At the western edge of a long, broad corridor, several yards from the iron gates from which you entered these lower ruins. Tiny before the gates, block your way out, though unfolded and their faces heads tilted towards the floor, are two towering stone statues. I'm going to move east along this passage. Alright, now I'm now in a dungeon. Abbot and groans and the dragons adorn the damp walls of these wide, dark passages. Now and again, you're overcome by an eerie feeling. Unseen eyes are upon you. Okay, I can now might as well describe this dungeon. See, there's a central passage, central corridor, northern corridor, southern corridor, and then two corridors that cross, that cross them at the end. And in at the eastern end and in the middle. Uh, I'm now I'm just going towards the northern corridor. A thick iron square is attached to the wall here. A narrow vertical stock runs through the centre of the dark plate. Which is an item. Don't think I have it yet. A thin column of silver light stands out of the guru ahead and splashes in the stone floor in the middle of this section of the passage. You're standing in a small in a small alcove just to the east of the junction of two wide passages. Yep, this is the easternmost part of the dungeon room now. An ornate stone pedestal, its sides adorned with an engraving that depicts dragons perched on snow. Snow and Alison Peak stands against the far wall. Western cut up the pedestal is a small square stone box, no bigger than a hand. Immediately realise that the wild and remarkable container is the very object you came here seeking. As you cautiously approach post the pedestal, the fierce golden glow suddenly envelops it. Who's in a pursuing area? Pursuing aura now emitting a faint hum is some sort of magical area long ago seen in place to protect the stone box. Attempt to take it. But I'm not allowed to. Apparently there's something else i got to do first. It's just, it's just how things work. Skeleton clad in sorry clever iron lights spore out across the walls in this section of the passage. The only sub-wises remains of some intrepid adventure long ago entered these corridors. Never to leave. Is it just luck? Or has the, did the dragon send someone else here? Or is it a really long time ago this happened, when the people who built this was still alive? All the records were around? Who knows? Search the skeleton. A thorough search of the skeleton remain turns up a long green stone wad and a half-rotted pouch filled with gold. Believing the wad may somehow prove to be of use, you promptly take possession of it. I've got a green stone wad. Skull of this long, thin square of greenish stone on the skeletal remains of a dead adventurer in the ruins of Greenstone. 18 gold coins. Having concluded your search, you take a few moments to adjust your gear before once again setting off along the corridor. Alright, going to the oh, western edge of the southern corridor now. A quick square of iron is attached to the wall here, and now a vertical slot runs down the centre of the dark pitted plate. Green for the sock is a long green a long square green stone in. The lever is pulled all the way down. I'm gonna pull it up. Because I always pull levers. You pull the lever up as far as it will go. Right, now, hmm, greenstone what? Could that be a lever? Because, I mean, most dungeons are symmetrical. Now, a vertical stomach. Yeah, it's like you could put a lever in there, greenstone what? 
You draw out the green stone wad and insert it into the slot at the centre of the, of the iron plate. After fidgeting it for nearly a minute, you hear a stark click as the wad snaps to a firm grip of some unseen fitting. And it's gone. The stone lever is in right for a spot and once again functional. A thick square of iron attached to the wall here. Yeah, and I can pull the lever up, I pull it up, I go east across the northern corridor. The glow is red. Alright, I've got to... I pulled the southern lever down. Green. Down, down. Two downs leads it to a blue wall. That's not what I want. Nope, still can't get it. I want to get. I'm going to pull this one up. See what happens now. Green. Down. North one down. Move to the south one. Bring that one up. Just, just. Alright, golden glow. Alright, so I pulled. I had. Let me just check. So I had the southern one up and the northern one down to get it golden. Golden glow, like around the box. Alright, now I'm going to take the golden box. 64 XP to general, a sense of elation washes over you as your hands pass through the glowing barrier and close around the stone box. Curious contain, despite being only slightly larger than your hand, is remarkably weighty. Uh, hmm. What killed this adventurer, though? D did he have to fight some sort of monster to get these levers? Probably. Uh, no, I see, I've already, I've already had to do half the puzzle. Alright, gonna description. This small stone box which nearly fits into the palm of your hand is an item of importance to retrieve from the woods of Queenstone. A thin hinged stone lid taps, fat, stap, tops the wild, unremarkable container. You first not manage to resist the temptation, lift its lid and peer inside, and instructed by a dying Aaron. Instructed by the dying dragon to deliver this box to someone named Minendor in the Westgard Library in Talithinus. Turning the box over in your hand, you observe that it bears no distinct mark markings. The box's thin, hinged stone is rattled slightly as you make, make your examination. The object of your mission is now in your possession. After making certain the box is safely tucked in amongst your other belongings, you turn away from Pelisor and head back west along the corridor. No, do not open the box. Do not open the box. Do not open the box. At, at the end, as the end of the passage comes, becomes viewless. A series of loud groans and grunts and dies. The towering Sarkus guarding the iron grates emerge from their gloom and step towards you. They have to rip forward, saying, "Full tremors, more tremors through the floor." In that moment, massive stone gardens will be upon you. No, as expected. I have to fight them. As you move towards, move forward and gain statues, their faces bear from our smooth surge. The stone box, you and the stone box in your possession, begins to tremble. I begin combat. Oh, it's just not, they're not that tough. They're uh, one halfway dead. Slashy. And they're gone. 
That up was pretty easy. I got 29, ex nope, 39 experience. Two leaps of Wogwin in the centre of the card, or all that remains of the statue guardians. Making a quick search through the debris, you suddenly spot something you haven't before noticed. At the back of the alcove in the north wall, out of which one of the statues stepped, just a small opening just big enough for you to squeeze through. Moving your light to investigate the opening so it leads to a large circling room. Carefully stepping through the opening, you soon find yourself standing in the circular room with a large cache of items. Many of the things leaped in piles around this large room have been spoiled by their damp air and passage time. A thorough search, search of what remains turns up the following. Well, so there's a lot of items here. I'm just I'm going to loot some of them. Some of them aren't aren't worth picking up. They just they just don't. They only serve or you have limited inventory space and you don't want to clog it up. For example, I've got this, these plate gauntlets. These are exceptional. I'm getting those. So, 29 gold tokens in the pile. At the edge of the chamber, beneath a pair of crumbling shields, you discover an unlocked chest containing a large quantity of gold. I've got 1,376 gold. Nice. After taking one last look around the room, you slip you slip back out of the out out through the narrow opening and make your way to the iron gates. You're surprisingly to find the gates are no longer locked. A gentle push is all that's all that's necessary to open them. You take a quick look over your shoulder. Now you're wise to follow the passage as it plunges into the gloom. Before stepping through the gates and making your way up to the steep, steep track and into the ruins. At the top of the path, you pause to make a final check of your equipment, taking care to make certain stone boxes secured among your belongings. As you try to head out of the ruins, a thin, chilling voice issued somewhere to your right sends your pulse racing. So you've done it! Quite impressive. Before you, before you spin to face that tall thing is saying once the topple comes, you recognise the voice of Rothbard, the Lecromancer, whom you last encountered atop Ogrehead Hill. Folds his arms as his bright eyes meet your startled glaze. The sorcerer, clad in ragged attire, seems paler, his features sunken and distorted. Hold your hands as if to single the lack of any hostile attention. It shocks you by asking you for your forgiveness. I mistook you for an ally of the dragon in our last meeting. I never had any sense to make my side of things plain. For that and for the rest of it, I humbly seek a pardon. The entire situation was most unfortunate. Perhaps you look gracious enough to hear what I have to say. I guess, I guess I can hear what he has to say. Although I know he's a bad guy. Because he raised his goons. And he was torturing a dragon. A crippled. A dragon he dust crippled. And that's just what I've seen. And he's a necromancer. He's a necromancer. No, most of the time they're bad people. Most. most. I mean, if it was just a necromancer, I'd, I'd, I'd probably give him a second chance, but... He's a necromancer and he's tortured a dragon. But I'm going to hear him out to see my... Well, curiosity, really. Lothran, his thin voice at, at times little more than a harsh whisper, tells you that the dragon he pursued or gets was, like most of his kin, a cruel, deceptive and dangerous creature. I practised a dark art, he said, his tone on a penix, but I do so without malice. I realised my actions atop the hill that day with Jessaurus. Please know, know that driven by Sorcerer's sighs and smiles through your sense of expression has been forced. The box you were sent to fetch something that must not have its care entrusted to a living soul. It must be destroyed, though its end cannot be brought about by any conventional means. It is evil, not of the world, to whom you have been told to get 
to live it. Think again upon the dragon. Cruel clearly his word. Surely he did not speak of destroying this box. How could he? He wishes to use his power to cheat death. To unlock secrets that might drag an entire red age into ruin. Will you allow? Well, he's, he's already dead, so. Unless there's some sort of. Unless this is a really, really magic artifact. And it's. <laughs> it's not going to do that. And then what? If he goes back like. Like, what? <laughs> One other dragon. I hope dragons. It's a tiny dragon, not a civilizational threat. Nothing places his hand on his hips and exhales sharply. Give the box to me and I will see. See, sorry, his power to grow up holds no sway over me. That has never been true. In fact, people who say that are usually the most corrupted. I'm going to use divination. You're not able to discern anything about Lothram or what he has told you. I'm going to refuse to give him the box. Refuse or elicits a sneer from the mage. You're as foolish as that snail beast, he grumbles, grasping his hands together as he steps back. You wish to protect something you do not comprehend, something you can never hope to comprehend. Take the box and keep it while I will not tend you now, but your time will come. Necromancer, his eyes suddenly ablaze, blows his arms skyward, and before addressing you for a final time, mutters a strange word. We will meet again. Lothbrook makes a hasty retreat, and the patch of ground beneath, between you and the tired source, suddenly whoops. As bone hands begin to claw their way up the earth, the necromancer, his gaunt face twisted into a hideous smile, stops and he reaches the exit. The edge of the tree, seven skeletons, the bones still bearing the clinging rediments of their urban tombs, climb out of the ground and swiftly draw themselves into semicircular formation. The undead Lothmartham has just summoned the ancient warriors who once cried in Greenstone, hiss wildly as their flesh is excitedly around the hilts of their rusted blades. Necromancer lowers his arms and sinks off in vomitus, leaving you to face the gruesome legion that. That's answered his call. With unnerving swiftness, the seven skeletal legion closes in around you, their vile history echoing throughout the ruins. You hardly draw yourself into the dissenting stance as the first of the undead warriors closes in. Fight the skeleton. Alright, now. Sharp sound of quinsing bones at seven years, and skeleton crumples the ground at your feet. Okay, I'm going to use quick combat on these. Containing your combat ready statue, and engage the next skeleton. And it's gone. The shot. Spintering bone. That's three. Another ten experience, as that was four. Here's five. Ten experience, six. Sharp sound of splintering your bone and surge your ears and skeleton crumbles as you heap at your feet. Yep, same as always. The last of the seven skeletons, his rusted sword poised to strike, staggers forward and attacks. Finish this one off manually. It's fighting well with your blade, but I fight using a proper sword, so I win easily. And he probably got a bit rusty in all that time he'd been dead. Well, she'd been dead. I mean, women could become skeletons too. The sharp sound of splintering a bone assails your ears. Skeleton crumbles into a leap, into a heap at your feet. The thing is, it's very hard to do the anatomical determination of sex when they're trying to kill you. You know, you can't. <laughs> and after you've done that, you've smashed them up so much you can't do it anyway. Uh, you never know if these skeletons were men or women. And really, I've got better things to do than find out. I've got a box to return. The seven skeletons are now a little more than scattered heaps of splintered bone. 
The ancient guardians of Greenstone, recalled from the west by a loved one's dark summary, will never again walk among the living. As you expected, the necromancer was nowhere in sight. After sufficiently recovering from the battle, you spend a few minutes tending to your gear and gathering your things before setting off through the forest. When you've gone a considerable distance from the ruins without encountering anything that suggests any imminent danger, you stop to west. Lean against a tall moss-coated barter, draw out the stone box and carefully examine it. The box in hand, you suddenly find yourself overcome by the urge to open it and reveal its contents. The clear recollection of drowns while is enough to stay at hand, but the strong desire to open the box remains. I'm gonna not open this box. Because, I mean, nothing good comes from things that necromancers are seeking. I'm going to leave it closed. Choosing to keep the lid box closed and resisting the growing urge to lift its lid and peer inside proves to be somewhat more difficult than expected. For next second, you find yourself placing the box in amongst your lungs only to repeatedly draw it out again and face the same dilemma. Last time you found the strength to leave the box buried in amongst your other possessions, you set off through the forest, eager to embark on what you hope proved to be the final part of the task. As you move expeditiously through the woods, the memory of a dying dragon told you atop Ogre Hill's head returns. You must retrieve the box and deliver it to Midlindor in Talonus. Thunders the voice in the head. You will find Midlindor in Westgard Library, but hear what it is I am about to tell you. You must not allow the box to fall into Lothwar's hand, and you must never open it. With the dragon's word echoing through your head, through your hand, just, just, I'm gonna just see what happens if I did open the box. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, I get hurt a lot, and I, the quest ends, and I get less experience, so bad. The dragon's word echoing in your head, you continue to make your way, way through the forest, suddenly wearing every shadow, alert to every odd sound, unable to shake the dragon. Nagging dread that unseen eyes of a lurking presence are watching your every step. 512 experience to general. Now to go to Tallinus in central Tosia, southwest Tosia, central Tosia, Tallinus. To the Westgard Library. The Westgard Library, a stone building on the northern edge of the bustling quadrangle in the central western section of the city, which serves as a repository for historical documents and artefacts. Sectioned by the Crown, the library is overseen by a small collective of scholars and sages, always seeking to acquire and study an archive items of historical significance. As for Middlendor, we inquire about Minandor with one of the library's scholars. The grey-haired man. His drooping face bearing expression seems to suggest equal parts of noise and boring told you to wait. And strolls out the door. A few minutes later, and he returns to come to a short, heavy-set, white-haired woman. She curtly dismisses the scholar and stares at you thoughtfully. She only just finished quietly introducing herself as Minandor and making your acquaintance when the trace of a smile suddenly appears on her, on her lips. She nods knowingly. So, it's been done, she says in a low voice, taking taking candle from near time. Wait, wait, no, wait, follow me. You follow Mirador towards the back of the library, up several flights of stairs and down a lengthy corridor, lit only by, by the feeble glow of a candle, with light spilling through a a thin, single window at its far end. When you reach the end of the passage, Minotaur opens a door, nudging into a small, barren chamber. After using a candle to light two lamps and closing the door, 
she asks you to see. She has to see the box. When you produce the box, find sir, she carefully goes in hands and begins to carefully inspect it. I know nothing about it, she says, running fingers across the leatherbox. But I know how to inspect. Now I recognise it. This is it. This means very similarly, but the man who will soon retrieve it will know what to do. Thank you. I've been waiting for this for quite some time. Yes, me and how she was quickly ascertain the person of this. She smiles. She places a box in a cloth sack tied to the waist. Using the name Bifador is what gave you away. That is not my name. It is a word that carries far greater meaning. A woman whose name you thought was Mithador shows you that her true name is unimportant and that she has no desire to reveal, reveal it. With regards to this business, names are best left unspoken. And you can certainly see a sense in that. I'm about to pay you pay something for it, and whoever you are, thank you. Pleasure is surprised when the woman hands you a large pouch filled with gold. Five hundred gold. No need to thank me, she says, when you attempt to politely show your gratitude. You owe a great deal more than that. And and will give it to you how I could. The wife of this little stone box means my part in this is soon to be over. I want nothing more than that. It's been a long uphill climb to this point. But now I'm very close to the kill. Top. Top of the hill. Almost there. The woman leads you back out of the main room of the library and sees you out of a small stone building. Standing outside the library on the edge of the bustling quadrangle next to which supposedly situated, you bid her farewell and set off on your way. As you strike out across the square, you look back and find that she has already gone back inside. When you reach the southern edge of the quadrangle, you turn on, you turn onto a narrow lane that winds its way east and south towards the broad thoroughfare that runs up to the gates of the capital. With every step, your mind churns as you pour over all that has transpired since that fateful afternoon in the way by, when, you, when your keen ears overheard talk about a dragon sighting in the size above Durstig. 250 experience to general and that is this quest done now i just hope i did the right thing when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.